The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. Chi-town, you know what it is. Blue and orange, blue and orange, blue and orange, blue and orange. Yeah, Windy City, you know what it is. Blue and orange, blue and orange, blue and orange, blue and orange. What's up, everybody, and welcome to the Rule of Three podcast, hosted by myself, Robert Schmitz, with Danny Meehan and Brandon Robinson, and powered by Windy City Gridiron, as we are here to try to bring you as much of a film-oriented and analytical mindset to the Chicago Bears as we can with a little bit of fun firehouse flair, which really only applies to Danny, because he's our local fireman. Thank you for your service. But right now, what we need to... I am going to, right here at the start of this podcast, go ahead and put a moratorium on Russell Wilson talk. We're just going to table it and pretend it doesn't exist. Does that work for y'all? Because first thing off the bat, I do think there's a little smoke still there, but my poor heart can't take more disappointment. So for now, I'm riding with the red rifle or whatever happens in the draft because the I I can't take assuming he's going to come and would rather be surprised. Are you guys okay so, with that? QB1 baby. Uh I'll I'll be okay with it. I'll say just my piece on it too. It's kind of like the guy you knew in high school who made out with the prom queen but no one actually saw it happen and all he's doing is talking about it. It's kind of like that. Like we keep hearing about the package that was released of what they were what they put out for for Russ. If it happens, it happens. But I'm at the point now where actions speak louder than words. Mm-hmm. Either do it or don't. <laughs> it is it is almost despicably annoying how how often ESPN keeps bringing it up. Now they're circling around a deal that, let's be honest, it's a bit of a no-brainer for the Bears, where the Bears would give up a 2021 first, a 2022 first, a 2022 second, and Roquan Smith, and that's it. They get Russell Wilson. And I'm like, are you kidding me? I mean, if, if that's all it took, Seattle would have signed the papers already because they literally offered more. It's part of why I want to just shove it to the side and talk yeah, about what that. the Bears have. Because what they have done here in free agency, and we will get to the fuller uh, situation because that's its own can of worms. But outside of that, with Jeremy Atichow, I sure hope I got that right, Chandler Jones, uh Blackman or oh gracious alive. How am I forgetting some of these Bears uh, for agent Jeremiah names? Jeremiah Atuachu. 
Atuachu, thank you. But they're they're hitting on depth <laughs> signings that I'm happy with. Damian Williams being probably the biggest name of the bunch, and they're doing so in fairly cost-effective fashion, as well as bringing in a quarterback that I do fit, think fits their offensive system a little better than Nick Foles, especially given that we don't really know whether Nagy wants to run more West Coast things at this point or more Shanahan light that they did at the end of the season. Andy Dalton with a little more mobility than you would think he has in his toolkit fits just about whatever they want to do even if let's be honest it's not exciting so far they are seeming to be existing in like dumpster diving and the bargain rack but i don't think any of the signings that they've made hurt their team in the future and that's about all i could ask right now what do you guys think so far i'm just glad they actually made some some depth depth signings like before it just we're trying to make the big splash every single year, but now they're actually feeling pieces that matter a little bit more. Like you get a swing tackle, you get a backup guard. Like these things are are very very important, and they don't overspend at corner, which they very well could have. And I mean that's where we go back to the Fuller situation, where it was just it was so it's such a tough situation. Mm-hmm. And speaking of, I want to talk on that for just a little bit because. I spent the whole offseason, both on Twitter, on this podcast, and everywhere else, talking about how the no-brainer thing to do would be to extend Kyle Fuller. But what I don't think I took enough into account is that it takes two to tango. I think you talked about that, Brandon, a little bit. Like mm-hmm. The player has to want to stay just as much as the team wants to extend him. And the impression I'm getting, if I'm reading between the lines, is that Kyle Fuller knew that with a $20 million salary headed his way, he had the opportunity to choose where he wanted to play. And it kind of seems like he preferred to play somewhere else, in this case in Denver, than to stick in Sean Desai's offense, which I'm not going to, or defense, which I'm not going to take as some kind of slight against Desai. It seems like Fuller just wanted to change places, but that's the read I'm getting of things, that Fuller didn't want that $10 million cap hit and a, like, a lighter extension to play for Chicago and instead wanted to hit the market. Is that what you're seeing, Danny? Is it entirely possible that he just knows his worth in the defense? Like, straight up, the cap is going down. He's going to play Vic for Vic and Ed Donatel again in Denver. Like, there's no way that wasn't being back-channeled. He was cut, and then, what was it, 20 minutes later, he was announced to Denver, if that? Like, right. Let's just be real here. And I'm sure they tried to work the trade market for him, but it's hard to move a corner with a $20 million cap hit unless you're Jalen Ramsey or Tredavious White or something like that. Guys of that ilk. And not that I'm not trying to slander Kyle Fuller. Kyle Fuller's probably the best corner in Bears history, depending on how you feel about Peanut Tillman. They're different styles, though. Those are fighting words with Peanut. But I hear you. Just different style. Not nowhere near the same kind of corner. But I just, I don't know if they wanted to give him what he would get on the market next year with the cap going back up probably to around 200 ish million. Again, especially with them. After restructuring Matt, Matt's a $30.3 million cap hit or something next year. He's he's a legit quarterback. He's a quarterback hit at this point. For a guy who's now 30, will be 31 this year, I believe, in September. Or th- just turned 30 this September. I don't I don't know I don't remember the exact age. But it's possible, like you said, Robert, that he just maybe he just felt his time in Chicago had reached its its ending. Mm-hmm. 
Well, what's so tough is, I mean, he wanted an extension. And the thing is with that is he has all the leverage in the world because his cap hit was $20 million. There's no way that they could keep him on the team with the $20 million cap hit. Like, he's really, really good, but he's not a $20 million cap hit kind of guy. So at the end of the day, the Bears had to say, like, all right, well, I mean, we're going to have to have you take a pay cut and then we'll pay you next year. But he wasn't, he just wasn't willing to do that. So at the end of the day, they just let him go and now he's going to hit the free agency next year. I mean, it's a tough situation, but I don't know. At the, at this point, they just need to move the money elsewhere. And right. mind you, with him specifically, he is taking a gamble on himself. He's sure. 29. He'll be 30 when he enters the market next year in 2022. He's born in 1992. So he's banking on system continuity, Vic Fangio, Ed Donatel, the, the defense in front of him, and the, the guys next to him in the secondary in Denver to really kind of show he's still that guy. Because the rule of thumb in not just the NFL, but most every sport is what happens after the age of 30. You fall off a cliff. You're just not that dude anymore. So I think he's taking a gamble in a sense, but it's a calculated gamble. He's betting on himself, for lack of a better word, because he's making less money now in Denver than he would have in Chicago. And it's worth remembering that he's only making a little bit less. If I if I've understood his contract correctly, he had eleven million dollars in base salary. So that's the salary that was gonna get paid to him over the year. The rest was just cap hit. And mm-hmm. so when he shifted over, he ends up getting paid about nine and a half million dollars. So he's only taken about a one and a half million dollar pay cut to play in his preferred system, which let's be honest. Yes, Kyle Fuller is a very specific type of corner, and he fits the Fangio mold. But if you take him out of that mold, kind of like we saw sometimes with uh, or with the system that Chuck Pagano would run, you're going to end up exposing Fuller to a type of play that he just can't sustain, where smaller, quicker guys, the Darnell Moody's of other teams and whatnot, can catch the ball with five yards to spare against Fuller. And while Fuller's a very good like run-up-and-tackle kind of corner, you can't hit all of those against NFL-level talent, and you can end up, look, I don't want to say exposed, but out of your element. Let's just put it that way. When you're in your element, you look like he did against Michael Thomas. But when you're out of it, he gives up 85 yards on underneath balls. And I'm not going to say it was time to move on. I'll just say I think that this decision was long coming ever since Pace applied the transition tag in 2017 and the Packers signed him to this deal. This year was always going to be a tough one. And I'd never taken things from the perspective of Fuller could leverage his massive cap hit to get out if he wanted to. He seems to have done that. At, at the very least, the Bears were able to replace him with a fairly cheap, if oft injured, corner in Desmond Trufant, who I don't think is as good as Kyle Fuller by any stretch of the imagination. But at least they don't have a hole at cornerback like one and two going into this draft, at least not a gaping one. I mean, I think that's one to be argued depending on how you feel about Desmond Trufant, but it sounds like he's more training camp fodder than anything. Hey, you guys tell me. The impression I always got with Trufant, especially when he got to Detroit, is that he's a really good corner when he's healthy, but has he fallen off a cliff recently? Right, and I would consider him a zone corner, and Detroit was just putting him in in the worst situations possible. Any any cornerback is going to fail in that system. Do you think he's got a bounce-back season in him, Brandon, if he can stay healthy? 
I, I'd love to think so. I mean, 2019, he played pretty well. Um, so, I when mean, you could feet, assume yeah. so, but, I mean, that that's that's the thing. Is he is he going to stay healthy? How are his hamstrings? Yeah. We'll see. And, I mean, what, the old adage is, what's the best ability? It's availability. The last two mm-hmm. years, he's not been available. Mm-hmm. He got to play to be good. Yep. But, at the very least, the Bears aren't committing massive future money to him. And, like we've talked about, they are – if he doesn't play at all – they tried. They didn't get what they wanted, but he didn't sign for much. If he does play pretty well, they're getting way above board in value. And I think that that kind of signing is ultimately really helpful for a team in the Bears' position where, hey, look, let's let's be honest about next year's schedule. It's a meat grinder. You could put the 2020 Bears up against next year's schedule, which includes Baltimore, it includes San Francisco, it includes Cleveland, it includes Los Angeles Rams, obviously the Packers twice, Tampa Bay, defending champions, uh, the Seattle Seahawks, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Like It includes all of this and more. It's a tough schedule. And if you, whether you like Mitch or Foles better from last year, you could put that 2020 Bears team up against that schedule. And I don't know if they win more than two or three games, if we're being nice. But... And with that in mind, the Bears can't invest in a win-now window right now without a solution at quarterback. And while I don't think Andy Dalton's near as bad as the Twitter like hate has made him seem, I don't think he's enough of an upgrade to make a difference against the Kyler Murrays, Lamar Jacksons, and Patrick Mahomeses of the world. Do you guys? So a couple of years ago, it was his second to – I want to say it was his last or second to last year in – Cincinnati. There was a guy who did a deep dive on Andy Dalton and his numbers in Reddit. And like, you know, Reddit people are they're strange. They they get weird statistical facts put out. And the 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 basis of it was Andy Dalton is the most average quarterback in NFL history. And he c- crunched the numbers and compiled everything and literally throughout his whole career outside of 2015, which was that year he broke his thumb when he was having the MVP season. It was the year Cam won the MVP. Um He's been literally 14 to 18 his entire career as a starting quarterback. He is average, plus or minus one. And I think, what was it, the the PFF Bears account even tweeted out, like, after his first two weeks starting when he came back, he was 16th in the league in, in uh, quarterback grades. And it's like, so 16 out of 32 is smack dab in the middle. He is... For, for, despite what any Bear fan wants to believe, I know Andy Dalton's not sexy, and I'll get to this point later in the show, but he's solid and unspectacular. He's fine. He's a requisite NFL quarterback. And I know it sounds like we're saying a lot of the same things about Foles, but there's a lot more last season, but there's a lot more merit behind what we're saying with Dalton because there's a there's a baseline outside of one season of starting in Los An- or the St. Louis Rams when he got benched and a six-game run in the playoffs and one year under Chip Kelly when the the fun gun offense that he was bringing to the NFL was brand new. Mm-hmm. What what I don't think I was honestly clear enough last you're talking about Foles, because like you're saying, that anything that we are going to say about Andy Dalton is going to sound eerily reminiscent of any positivity we would bring to the Foles conversation. Uh, but... I don't think I was honest enough last year about just how much protection Foles needs to do anything. Like, if you take a look at Foles' career 
any situation in which he's had a non-elite offensive line, or at least not even good, he's pretty much fallen apart. And last year, when we gave him Arlington Hambright, Rashad Coward, Jason Spriggs, Alex Bars playing his first game ever at center, surprise, surprise, he looks pretty bad and uncomfortable the entire year. And normally a guy who's actually above board in accuracy fell off almost completely. And he's a little more mobile than that, though. Like, he's actually a little bit better insulated against, let's call it a bad offensive line. Because if you go back and look at Dallas, I know four years ago, they were like a, a wall in front of Dak Prescott with one of the best offensive lines in football. But the pass blocking last year in Dallas was just not great. Andy still managed it, ended up average. I'm not about to pretend that that's some kind of a banner that anybody needs to wave. It's more to say that, like you're talking about, Danny, our standards aren't high. We just came out of Nick Foles, who played best as a backup, and Mitch Trubisky, who's now on a $2.5 million salary. So we're not talking about great quarterbacks. And while Dalton may be an upgrade, it might not be enough to shift the needle against a very tough schedule, you know? Yeah, I mean, one thing that I would like to kind of point out and bring up regarding the fan base as a whole is, and this is kind of what I was waiting for you to kind of lead into, because of the connection to Russell Wilson and then settling for to this point on Andy Dalton, stop being jerks, I guess is the best way I can say it. I see people tagging Andy Dalton and going on his Instagram posts and stuff and just berating this guy. Like... What did Andy Dalton... It's not his fault he's not Russell Wilson. It's not his fault they didn't consummate the trade. They did what they had to do to get the best available quarterback for what they're trying to do at this point in time. There's there's such a thing as karma, and it sucks, to me at least, and then you start start seeing these things circulate on social media of how people are talking to this guy when he's never even played a down in Chicago, and you're like, you make... This, maybe there's a reason we don't get nice things at quarterback in this city. <laughs> like, like, hey, at the very look at least. Mitch, look at Mitch. His, he never played a down as a rookie. He went to the United Center to watch a Bulls game and got booed out of the arena. Mm-hmm. Like, give the guy a chance. Because like, by all accounts, and you might know better than I do, Robert, like, him as a person, like, he seems like a really good dude. Like, it sounds like he does work in the community. He seems like a great husband and father. Like, what? why are we lashing out at him? Lash out at the organization. Don't lash out at the player. I definitely want to get Brandon's thoughts on this conversation. But before I pass it over, I will say I've met way or at least seen on television way more good dude quarterbacks than bad dude quarterbacks. Like, we act as if Cade McNown is all over the league. But most of these quarterbacks, <laughs> like, if, if Jay Cutler – is involved in the community. You can pretty much bet that anybody with that smiles on camera is involved in the community as a quarterback. So I don't know if that's our standard per se, but I will say that Dalton, and I've, I've got an article, it, so far it's like 2,600 words. It's going to get a little longer, but it'll be up on Windy City Gridiron by like late this Friday. Uh, so today, our recording day. But the point, <laughs> is, the point is, is that Dalton has a lot of limitations. For instance, he really only likes throwing short and intermediate balls. He doesn't like throwing deep, and he's not phenomenal at it. 
but he also doesn't miss wide open deep guys. They just don't come often in the NFL, as you guys probably know. So he's not a tight window threader there. He can run an RPO well, and he's kind of mobile. But if you were going to rank quarterbacks by mobility, it's probably dead in or dead on average. He's a great (laughs) pre-snap processor but he's not a very good post-snap processor, and that's where he gets into a lot of jams with interceptions where he assumes he's moved a safety that didn't move because other defenders know this tendency. And it's it's really interesting watching him because he has a lot of the pieces that makes you say, this guy, this guy doesn't suck. He doesn't suck at all, but he doesn't have the superstar factor that a lot of the top 10, top 5 guys do. Like Derek Carr could probably... You could probably only give him about a foot of arm movement and he'll still put the ball about 65 yards downfield. That's not Dandy Dalton. But I don't, again, most concerned with the schedule here when it comes to Dalton. But at the very least, Matt Nagy should be able to run his vision for better or for worse. Brandon, what do you think of the acquisition? I mean, at the end of the day, it was more about scheme fit than anything else. And that's what people just aren't talking about. Everyone had just expected Foles to stay in there when he showed that he just can't run the system that they want to run. He's a statue in a pocket. And really good, as you said. And the pocket's never going to be really, really good when they don't invest in the offensive line. So Foles just isn't an option. So they had to go get somebody else on the market. And Dalton was just that best guy on the market, which isn't saying much at all. And Bears fans are disappointed, but the the matter of the fact is, like, they didn't trade any future assets to get him. Like, whatever was available before they signed Dalton is still available for the Bears. Like, they can still get everybody. They can still wait in the draft and see who's available in a trade-up situation. Like, they could still get Mac Jones at 20 if he somehow made it to 20. They could still Mm -hmm. trade for Russell Wilson later if that was the case. They could still trade for Deshaun Watson. But this also gives them a quarterback in place if none of that works out that fits the scheme. And that's very, very – like people just overlook that. Yep. Yeah, and and to be fair, like if Dalton remains healthy, he likely is having the best single season a Bears quarterback has ever had this year. (laughs) and i know and i know and i don't want our listeners to be like oh why is why is he bragging about i'm not saying that as like a flex to andy dalton it's the truth and i think the one uh, one thing that will be remained that i want to bring up is for for dalton historically he force feeds his number one receiver partially because of what robert said Allen Robinson is probably going to have, barring health, his best season ever in terms of just counting numbers aside from maybe the touchdowns. Because that year he had in Jacksonville, what was it, 15 or 16 grabs in the end zone? That That's, like, ludicrous. That's crazy town. But, like, <laughs> he's going to force feed A-Rob. He's just going to. That's what he does. And he, he should be able to hit. And he should be able to hit Darnell Mooney when he's wide open downfield. Look, I have not- I have zero confidence in Andy Dalton throwing the ball downfield. I'll be honest so, with you. I'll be the, completely honest with you. I can give you the specifics. If you're talking about a touch throw downfield, like 45 yards, you're absolutely right. 
But if you're talking about a double move where Andy Dalton can put it on a line and throw, like, I'm taking out the geometry here, but like a 32 (laughs) yard, like a 32 yard lower trajectory ball, Dalton's actually not so bad at it. And you see that on film more, more than you'd think. But again, it's, it's all about Nick Foles was probably a lot better at Dalton at the stand and deliver 50 yards downfield, like throw it on a rainbow. But if it's more like, okay, the only way I know how to explain it is in Madden, you tap the button, you like not too quick though. So you throw (laughs) the, the normal pass that one Dalton's not so bad at. He can float it. Uh, he can't float the it. Part that I, I mean, the, yeah. the part that I mean is like when a guy doesn't have a very, very strong arm and he's not over, like, he's athletic, but he's not overly athletic. My problem is you have to be able to reset in the pocket consistently and still get the ball downfield. And guys with really weak arms, they can't do that consistently. And mm-hmm. he has struggled with that even in his prime with AJ Green getting the ball downfield. Yeah, when you're like when AJ was one of the one of those dudes too. Like mm-hmm. Yeah, I I remember I remember watching a highlight reel of Andy Dalton missing AJ Green deep and this was just in one season and it was like two minutes long because his arm is just really <laughs> bad. And I, I do I see uh Matt Matt asked this question. Do you guys honestly think Dalton is a 17-game starter? Highly doubtful. No, I agree. I think any quarterback starting every single game in the NFL is at best a coin flip because dudes get hurt. That's just the nature of the NFL. Especially since, Matt, in this case, I have no idea what the season's going to look like. Like, Let me give you the perfect example. In Mark Tressman's last year, he benched Jay Cutler, who was on the verge of the single-season record, which I swear is going to be broken every single year. 2019, I thought Trubisky was a shoe-in to break the 4,000-yard record. 2020, I thought Foles really had a shot at it if he got enough games. So 2021, I I don't want to say Dalton's going to do it because I feel like I'm cursing myself. But in that Tressman season, he benched Cutler for Clawson to try to pin the season's issues on Cutler. So in a season where the Bears in Pace and Nagy may be trying to justify their worth a little bit, let's say they draft Kellen Mond or Davis Mills, they may try to get him a couple games there at the end of the season to wave the rookie development flag or, hey, this is this is going pretty well. Just give us a little more time. And in that case, Dalton's performance could almost not matter because they could make the change anyways, even though the end of the season is Pittsburgh and Seattle and Tampa Bay, which would not be where I'd put a rookie in. But hey, I'm not I mean, the one trying to keep my job. And isn't the kind of ultimate fear here is we've seen Andy Dalton go to Pro Bowls and throw for 4,000 plus yards and touchdowns. Isn't the fear kind of that he does that and they are like, they punt kind of on a quarterback because they go 10 and 7 and make the playoffs and they're like, see, the offense works. We got we got a guy that can do it. Because by quarterback standards, Dalton's not old. Do I think it's going to happen? No, I don't think it's going to happen. But is there an iota of a chance? Sure. Ugh. <laughs> honestly, honestly, that's that's my last worry because I, I just oh, it's not, I it's fear not, I fear with the, the defense getting worse, like the offense isn't gonna get that much better. And so I just think it's not going to be a great season, as mm. is, as the team stands. 
Well, let's hit on a note of positivity because if there's one signing that we haven't gotten to yet that I have to talk about because I am so excited about it, I don't think I could imagine a better signing for the Bears than taking Damian Williams. Like, they get Damian Williams on a fairly cheap contract, and he is the rare running back that could actually substitute for Cohen or substitute for Montgomery should either go down in the season. Damian's got enough elusiveness, and he took a year off, so as long as he doesn't come out and come back like Bell did on the Jets, he should actually be a little bit fresher than most NFL running backs. But he's got enough elusiveness to run a lot of Cohen's receiver-oriented routes because, honestly, I feel like Cohen's more a wide receiver, too, that plays running back than he is a running back. And he's also got enough like tank in his build to handle enough or to handle the carry load that Montgomery would otherwise get. He's somebody who I as excited as you can get about a running back three, I'm very excited about him in this offense. Same. I it, it, it kind of felt unreal because it feels like two full years since they had a good actual signing. It all it, it's it's felt like they've been re, like overpaying guys and overpaying guys. So even if they're decent football players, they're overpaying for him. But I mean, he just he fits the offense absolutely perfectly. I mean, I honestly I think he's a a low end starter. Mm-hmm. So to, to put him in the, to put him in this offense with two other pretty good backs, like I, I just hope the rest of the offensive line so that they can actually utilize him. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Amen. I, I was on this very podcast we do last year pining for the Chiefs to release him off that player option because I wanted him. That was the guy I wanted because I knew he wasn't expensive. He does a lot of things. And something that I know our buddy Jonathan Wood has talked about a lot, and I know I just brought it up on Timeline and in any chat or with friends or whatever that I can bring, this offense is slow. It just is. They're <laughs> so slow. Put the knife Jimmy, in my heart, why don't you? Because you're yeah, right. <laughs> Allen Robinson is a phenomenal top seven, eight, six, five, wherever you want to interchange him with that bottom tier of the stud tight of the stud wide receivers. But he is slow. Cole Komet is rumbling, bumbling, stumbling slow. Darnell Mooney's fast. That's cool. Anthony Miller does not play to that timed 4-4 that he had at his pro day. Miller's not David fast. Mon- no. Do- David Montgomery's not fast. Damian Williams is legit fast. Where if he gets a crease and a lane, he can go. And he can scoot a little bit. Now, I do have that worry. I think Damian's, I think Damian's 30. Like, again, it's just that fear that he's old an older running back but i i hope the he'll be 20 20 he just turned 28 so never mind um, <laughs> no, I, that's why you check hey that's 28 check. 30 for running backs but he may very well he's have got, one and he's more got a year off and he's always been a committee back so i would actually be more inclined to say that kind of what you were getting at robert that he's going to be more your spell running back to montgomery than cohen is because cohen really is just kind of de facto wide receiver out of the backfield like that's just he doesn't take enough carries to warrant being a running back. Everybody likes to throw around this term weapon. They did it with Percy Harvin. They do it with Cordero Patterson. Uh, Aaron Nagler. I was actually just about to say the same thing. Is 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 trying <laughs> yeah. to like is trying to call Aaron Jones a weapon. Uh, 
he's he's a running back, guys. But Cohen is the rare player where I actually feel like that designation applies because yes, he occupies a spot as a running back, but his skill set is more reminiscent of Taylor Gabriel than it is to me, anyways, of Austin Eckler, who's more of a receiving running back. And so, yeah, again, they play him out of that running back slot to pick him against uh, or inside linebackers in the game of matchups. But his skill set is so weird and bizarre and useful when you use it right. 700 Mm -hmm. yards is nothing to sneeze at that not only does his contract at $6 million not bother me, but I kind of feel like he can't count as your running back, too. No, because you're potentially paying him to be a receiver. Right. But either way, super excited about Dame. And another guy that I got to mention, because it's as good of a depth signing as I could have asked for, feels like the Bears picked up a legitimate starter in Christian Jones. I mean, yeah, I know a lot of people were high on him when he originally came to Chicago as UDFA. And look, maybe he hasn't become like a true stud, but finding a starting caliber inside linebacker as your ILB3 is a great pickup in a sport that's so violent that you never know what's going to happen. And okay, I know I said I wouldn't talk about it, but if Roquan Smith was to get traded, this does give the Bears flexibility at the position because then they wouldn't have Danny Trevathan and um, Iggy, which is, uh, let's just say, not, not what you'd want as you're well, starting the other, the other nice thing about Christian Jones is, even going back to his days at Florida State, he can line up on the edge, too. He, he's a little bit versatile in the fact that you can put him standing up and going after the pass. Now, do you do a lot with him? No, but you could theoretically use him that way. And in just instances, not like at anything more than like a one or two percent clip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just what, a nice little extra that he brings. Absolutely. Versatility is always a good thing, as we see in swing alignment all the time. Brandon, what do you think? Um, honestly, I think he's more just a, a depth piece, but it's nice that they bring in. I mean, he was he was formerly with the organization, but it's just nice seeing them bring somebody else in from the organ from outside the organization because it just seems like, like it, especially last year, they wanted to keep everybody that was in the house and develop them. And it hasn't worked out. <laughs> we By like the out? guys we have. Is that what you mean? Yes. Next man up. Yes. Exactly. Uh, speaking of Brandon, while, while we're on you, what do you think about Dion Bush as the second safety on the depth chart? Is that, is that good enough? Or do you think the bears are going to be looking for another third wave acquisition, not really. I, I don't. I don't really think that you would want him as a starter at all. I think he's <laughs> more of like a a dime a dime guy more than anything. More that just a de- again, like I'm saying, more of a depth piece than anything. I think they're still searching for their other starter. I mean, I know there's a lot of guys on the market right now. A lot of guys will talk about Malik Hooker because he was a he was a highly drafted. But he's been injured a lot, so it'll be interesting to see if they go after him. It'll be interesting to see if they just bring him in for a visit just to see where he's at physically. Um, but that's that's more of what I'd be looking at than Deion Bush starting. He doesn't he doesn't really have any upside to his game at all. Makes yeah, sense. I mean, to me. there's for years it seems like now that it seems like these guys that are middling starting safeties they just don't get a job for some reason like a guy that I thought finally got his payday a couple of years ago in Trey Boston, and it took him forever to get it. Like, they just kept bringing him back on one-year deals, and Trey Boston can play. He's not a bad mm-hmm. football player. Like, 
Uh, I would personally be in favor of the hooker move if you could get him for reasonable and his medicals check out in a way you feel comfortable. And that would be the most brand, on, brand, on brand Brandon thing ever because then you'd have two people back yeah. there who are Hell just yeah. allergic to contact. But no tackling. Yeah, I just, but I do agree <laughs> with your assessment on uh, Dion Bush, Brandon. He's he's a dime backer is really what he is. He's just this – He's if he played 15 years ago when the Bears were putting Mike Green next to Mike Brown and it was just be a hammer and kill people, sure, that would have worked. Because Dion Bush is a really good athlete who comes downhill and he'll whack you. It's probably why he's a good special teamer. It's just get ahead of steam, go go flying down the field and hit the ball. But in today's NFL, where you got to put him in space and ask him to have recognition skills and everything in those facets, he's just not really meant to do that. You know, like, Danny, it's funny you talk about the market and how many guys are out there because you're absolutely right. And yeah, if anything, I feel like what we're seeing is that the safety position is encountering the same problem that the wide receiver position has just now run into, which is that a couple of really good classes of safeties have shown that why would you pay a veteran guy when you can grab a rookie like Jeremy Chin who's going to do you even better? You can get an Anton Winfield, plug him right in, play him, all-star. And it, it makes you wonder, Trey Boston can play, absolutely, but... I'm not signing him for any more than I could pay a rookie because a third-round mm-hmm. rookie is going to come in. Adrian Amos, superstar, out of the fifth round. A lot of good safeties in the draft. And I'm not saying that means that the Bears are leaning towards safety. I actually mean that they could probably get a very good safety for way less than I think they're worth. But it's interesting to see the market play out in both safety and wide receiver right now with really good players not getting their value and sitting around on the market for way longer than I would have expected. Well, I mean, even just look at a couple days, wait, what was it, a week ago that the Titans released Kenny Vaccaro. That's a legit NFL starting safety. And who has pedigree? Is he 30 now? Yeah, he is. Mm -hmm. But it's not like he forgot how to play football. It's just, why are you paying them? It's the same. It, I mean, we were ta- we we're bringing it up too. Like, uh, inside linebackers have had their value go up and then down again. Like, it's just the nature of it. Because if you're just a two down thumper, while valuable, I can get you in the fifth round of a draft. I can get a, the University of Michigan linebacker who's slow but plays guard to guard and is going to hit you. And I'll pay him for four years at rookie salary, and then I'll kick him out. Like, it's the same thing. Safeties are. Essentially, unless you've got that rare, real ball-hawking safety, like Simmons or Jackson or whoever, you don't really need to pay those guys anymore. As weird as it sounds, because I think they're finally the NFL has finally realized the value of legitimate corners. Because mm-hmm. we now see you know, what the corner market was set at this year. Yep. And it's it's been really interesting watching positions change. Like, for instance, to just get or to talk on the conversation for a short bit before we move back to free agency, I don't think Roquan Smith 20 years ago is an inside linebacker. I think he's like no. a safety tweener. He, but he's a, he's a box safety. That's what they were right. Mm-hmm. But in the modern NFL, defensive linemen have gotten so good at taking on double blocks that you can have a linebacker that's almost entirely focused on coverage to try to stop these kinds of guys. It's really interesting 
watching the game change. Another free agent signing that we yeah. haven't gotten to, and I butchered his name, so I'm not going to try. But Jeremiah Atuachu. Jeremiah Atuachu. I don't know like if that's it. how you say it either. No, but... that, I, I remember when he got drafted. It's Jeremiah Atuachu. Jeremiah Atuachu. I'm just going to roll with it. Jeremiah Antuachu seems like a great replacement for Mingo. Sure, you're not getting the production you want out of Robert Quinn, but you can't fix that. And you can't fix his $17 million a year contract either. So the best you can do is to go try to find a third outside linebacker that can contribute. Antuachu not only comes from Fangio, so he's got some scheme experience, but he seems like a guy that should mesh pretty well. What do you think, Brandon? Um... I was kind of I was kind of surprised actually, just because he's not really known as a guy that can move that well in coverage, and I actually thought that is exactly what they needed. I was really hard on Mingo early on in the season, but I thought as the season went on, he developed a little more, and he kind of he kind of found his own niche within the defense, and they just let him go, and now. Atachu is supposed to. If that's a, I don't even know how to say pronounce his last name. Atawachi. Everybody's saying. I feel it so bad. I feel so bad. <laughs> I'm telling but anyways, you, I just I don't I I don't think it. I I really I really don't think it is. I'll be honest with you. He's I really Nigerian. don't. I can't buy. Atawachu. But anyways, yeah, I'm just not a fan. I'm not a fan of the move at all. <laughs> just don't don't take my word for it. I don't remember evaluating him out of I don't believe Georgia Tech. I think. Yeah, Georgia Tech. Fight. Boom. There you go. <laughs> but yeah, Danny, what do you think of the player? Um, I liked him a lot actually when he came out years ago. He came out my senior year of college. So I remember watching him and really liking him. He but he's never really lived up to the billing. Like he was supposed to be like this dynamic, straight ahead edge rusher, but you know so many guys like that just don't pan out. He's become a solid rotational guy like he was in Denver, but kind of, I'm kind of with Brandon. I thought Barkevius Mingo became a really serviceable rotational third, third outside linebacker edge, whatever you want to call him. And I would have thought, I thought they might've been better served bringing him back, but I also can understand why Barkevius Mingo was a Chuck Pagano guy. He was drafted to Indianapolis under Chuck Pagano to be with Chuck. Ottawa, Atuachu played <laughs> under Fangio. And Fangio is and Desai is a Fangio disciple. There might be a reasoning behind this that is just a continuity thing of what he wants to specifically do. And he's a two he's a two year deal that they extended out over what, four or five years of the void years. So right. nothing crazy is. there. If he doesn't end yeah. up blowing minds, we'll be fine. And yeah. but, between him and the replacement for Brent Urban that they signed just the other day off the Cardinals, it seems as if the Bears' defense is, look, I'm not going to say like right back where they were, but from a defensive line front seven perspective, almost no change, especially no. with Hicks remaining on the roster. And so, Goldman coming back. Yeah, yes, and now. Goldman coming back. Uh, maybe even a boost with Goldman coming Fat back. Fat lives matter. Right. The, I think the most interesting part about this Bears free agency period has been how, kind of like Brandon said, nothing really changed. They've shored up their depth. I think that they are a stronger team top to bottom 
based on some of the guys that they have, they're a lot less thin than they were last year, where thank goodness Danny Trevathan and Roquan Smith remained healthy for most of the season. We saw what happened when they didn't. But when we go into this draft, I mean, forget the part where I'm not even 100% sure which picks the Bears are going to have. It seems as if everything is is uh, everything is going to come down to how successful the Bears can be in this year's draft, whether it's finding a quarterback or fixing the offensive line or adding at wide receiver, especially with rumors that they may release Anthony Miller or adding at cornerback, so on and so forth. There are a lot of things that the Bears could use help at, and there's no better way uh, to do that than acquiring talent throughout the draft. I am getting really, really interested to see what that's going to look like. Not to mention, with you guys being much smarter draft picks than I am, I know you're going to have some insight that I just won't have. But it's been interesting watching this free agency period because I wouldn't exactly say the Bears have tipped their hand towards anything at this moment. And right now, all doors seem open. Does that seem about right to you guys? Uh, yeah, I mean, it seems pretty correct. The, I mean, we touched on the team speed thing earlier. I mean, with the fear agency playing out for wide receivers the way it is, I would like them to go get instead of like drafting and maybe wasting two picks on like a higher round to later round wide receiver. I'd like to maybe see them sign one of them. Like a guy like D.D. Westbrook would make me happy. I mean, he's not going to cost you anything. And he's been, he was really good coming out of Oklahoma until some red flags on character stuff came out. But to my knowledge in the league, he's kept his nose pretty clean. But what, what do you think, Brandon? Um, I, I would I would agree with that except for right tackle. I just don't know what their exact plan is for that. It just seems like maybe a Fetty, maybe Wilkerson. Like it's just like they don't have a starter there right now. And I know there's a lot of guys in the draft, but what if you're really what if you're a lot higher on say corner in the first round and then wide receiver in the second round? Well, you're just gonna take a tackle just because you need one like they're they're kind of boxing themselves in just it in does, that position usually seem... they, they do it with multiple but just that position mm-hmm. <laughs> is it entirely possible like just hear me out like i'm just just kind of reading the tea leaves of what they've done that Wil- wilkinson has started at both guard and tackle we've said that they can't just hand musta for the starting center job is it possible that they move daniels back to center and just those are your two right side starters with Wilkinson and Fadi. Like I, I honestly don't know. I'm just spitballing because they both played right side, inside and out. Maybe I, I can kick back that the other option would be that James Daniels, having been a center in college, is going to be as close to a good bet as possible to being able to switch from the left to the right side. Which, if you think about it, Bears fans, no, that requires I, I agree. Yeah. that requires stepping with your other foot. Asking Charles Leno, who's been a left tackle for the last bunch of years, to shift over to right tackle, for instance, is probably a disaster. You're asking and somebody to rewire how they sure, play. Sure enough, the tackle conversation comes up and the, the chat room lights up. Leno is terrible. Which, no, hey. I, no, he's, he's, that, he's not, though. He's hang not, on. He's, he's, he's average and he's it, paid. It's, as he's it's okay to say that he's somewhere between average and mediocre. Honestly, he was he was fine. <laughs> Fine would be the word. He's the Andy Dalton. He's, he's Dalton of left tackle. Dalton of left tackles. Exactly. Uninspiring, unimpressive, but ultimately, I guess, cost effective is the best. Yes. Thing to say about affordable. It. 
but he's affordable. <laughs> right. And you know but... what the sad thing is? They're probably going to extend him because it's hard to find a left tackle that's even of Leno's caliber. It's the same reason. It's the same reason quarterbacks mm-hmm. are getting extended despite limitations being known. I'm I'm still trying to figure out why it is that Matt Nagy decided that of all the players on the Bears offense, he would do basically a press tour for Sam Mustafer. So if that was an attempt <laughs> to if that was an attempt to woo Russell Wilson, sure. If that's the Bears accepting that he's probably the starting center because they want to put resources everywhere else, okay. I don't think Mustafer is an all pro waiting to happen. I think at best he's probably a low end starter, but from what I've talked with Lester Wilfone, if you can get a center that mentally handles the position, even if he can't physically handle it against every defensive lineman, you can survive. Maybe a little bit better than having a right tackle or basically nobody on the offensive line in talking about James Daniels, Cody Whitehair, so on and so forth, that can truly move people and create lanes. So We'll see in the Bears outside blocking or outside zone blocking scheme. Brandon, you've seen, you've seen this a lot. The center gets asked to reach block or to mm-hmm. get to the second level all the time. And honestly, you could play that position without arms because if the center just bumps into the or inside linebacker, a lot of times that's all the block needs in the running game. And so in that setting, maybe they just take the fleet-footed Mustafer and do their best with him and ask a quarterback with a little mobility to just overcome any time that his man blasts through him. But I don't know. I can't read their minds. And if it was me, I would definitely rather take a Christian Darasaw Samuel Cosme than I would a center if I don't have many picks to work with. Man, it was one of those things like just the, the rise of Tevin Jenkins is killer because he was like, that perfect guy you could start at right tackle, and then when it was time to move him over to left, you could have done it from Oklahoma State. But it's like he's had this meteor, meteoric rise with his testing, and you know, the, we, that's a whole other argument mm-hmm. with the whole like, what? How much do you believe this pro day testing? But mm-hmm. Brandon, uh, if if we were going to do final thoughts, let's start with you. What you got? I would say that they that they still need to address the offensive line, but not force the need in the draft because I actually think that wider they they feel that wide receiver is a big position that's going to make a difference on this team, and I would look out for guys like Jalen Waddle. I would look out for Kyle Pitts. I I feel like they wouldn't be the biggest Devontae Smith fans. But I would definitely want him because I think he's a lot faster than what people give him credit for, which is kind of weird to think about. Like because a Heisman winner that makes all these spectacular plays and everybody thinks that he's not fast for whatever reason. It's just weird to even think of. But yeah, I would. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited for the draft. I'm ready to to move on from all this Dalton mess and uh, get on to the season. <laughs> I completely hear that. I'm so curious to see what happens with their draft. And, hey, if I was going to pick what they do, I'm going to be the big, sad nerd here, Danny, that says I would rather they play it safe. Take your offensive lineman in the first round because offensive linemen bust a little bit less. Maybe pick up a wide receiver in the second round. Maybe just another offensive lineman. 
and then work wide receiver in the third, fifth, and your multitude of sixth rounders to try to see if you could find the next Darnell Mooney. He's out there. At wide receiver, it happens a lot more than it does at interior offensive line. So if I was going to direct the draft resources, that's where I'd go. But we also don't know whether the Bears are going to pull off some crazy trade at the end of the season. So who knows? But if I had to pick, that's what I'd do. What about you? I mean, final thoughts. I mean, just to, before I get into my draft thing, um, I would personally just say, like, it's not underwhelming. It's not overwhelming. It's whelming. It's fine. They're just, it seems like they're almost trying to run it back. Um, no big deal, though. It's fine. Draft thoughts. If they don't make the move for Russ, I would actually prefer them do the anti-pace and instead of staying put or moving up, move back. Just go back. Ooh, that's a good idea. Recoup picks, especially because it is a deep line and a deep, uh, deep, uh, God, why am I blanking on words? Deep wide receiver. <laughs> deep wide receiver draft. Yeah, a deep wide receiver, deep tackle class. So you can, in theory, move back, even still get a guy like Cosme in the back of the first round, pick up another third rounder. My ideal guy for this offense, just because I've never evaluated a guy and thought, my God, he's a, he's, he just reminds me of Steve Smith. And that's Rondale Moore. I've watched him. I keep watching him. I've watched his whole final season at Purdue more times than I care to think about because I just can't get this thought out of my head that he's some incarnation of Steve Smith. He's built like a rock. The thing that kills me is he's 5'7". So he's, it's Tariq Cohen again. It's just as a true wide receiver. But – Anyone that is listening, I want to caution you. When I say Steve Smith, I'm saying the on-field demeanor, how he plays, the the way in which he carries himself. He's just, for lack of a better term, a son of a bitch out there. He's just all over himself. And he'd be who I would personally target for this offense because you can't play, you almost have to play him like Joe Brady was playing Curtis Samuel last year. In the mm-hmm. slot, outside, out of the backfield. Just let him use him in a multitude of ways and just get this dude who's a 4-2, 4-3 athlete the ball and let him just go. So that'd be who I would target for this offense. And I know Waddle can probably have the same argument. He's just bigger and from a wet, much more prestigious program. So maybe Waddle fall, maybe Waddle won't fall, but maybe, maybe a guy like Moore could. But your overall premise I agree with. But I think they're kind of telegraphing it, telling you their first two picks – might be corner and wide receiver, should they not make the big vaunted trade that ESPN keeps poking the bear with. (laughs) And we'll see. I mean, uh, it's going to sound so sad that this is my rationale here, but with the Seahawks not restructuring Russell Wilson, the Bears keeping Jimmy Graham, and the fact that ESPN won't shut up about it, part of me thinks that when's the last time there was this much noise over something that just didn't happen or have any legs? I can't think of something i'm sure there's something out there but we'll monitor that story as long as we have to and for now we can move on with the team that we have in front of us so either way 2021 should be it'll be another year of football and it'll be curious to see how these free agents play into things but at the moment i'm excited to say that pace hasn't made things worse 
if any, or he's definitely made things better in terms of depth. He's not sacrificed, but maybe $5 million in future cap with the Dalton deal. And while losing Kyle Fuller really hurts, the Bears don't have the money to pay everybody. And some people aren't going to be in the future plans quite like they were for the last championship window. It's just the way of things. But either way, I think we've put together a good show here, Danny. We've it's it's so weird right now because every time you talk about something, I mean, news could break tonight that just erases this entire podcast. But with that in mind, I think we've got something good here. Where can folks find you online? I mean, well, let's go cover Brandon. Brand, our buddy Brandon had to dip out on us. You can find him at B Rob NFL on Twitter. Um, you can find myself at. Dan, Mian, M is in Mary, E E H A N is in Nicholas, the numerals 9 0. I will be dropping more draft content with the weeks leading up to the draft. It's just been a slow burn with all the film eval. My brain is mush between work and watching College All 22. Hey, not to give you an extra lashing there, but I need you here because a lot of my <laughs> own personal, a lot of my own personal takes, I, I just don't have the time to do Bears deep dives and draft stuff. So when I see Mac Jones, who is, I got to tell you guys, Mac Jones is one of the most confusing prospects I've ever watched. I cannot tell whether he is a low ceiling guy that's overhyped because of Alabama, or he's, he's actually maybe a, a higher ceiling guy than he's given credit for. That's being held back by the name on his Jersey. It's hard to tell. But guys like Danny who dive into this stuff and their opinions are definitely way more helpful than somebody like me who just throws on a YouTube video and I that's all I got is about 15 minutes to just <laughs> watch the prospect and make my guess. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, even if your 15 minute highlight video or just breakdown of him versus my few hours of going to each guy I watch. Um, it probably isn't much different. It's just I'm torturing myself more. I'm just glad you're thinking about it. Either way, you can find me at or on Twitter at Robert K. Schmitz. That's R-O-B-E-R-T-K-S-C-H-M-I-T-Z. You can find me on Windy City Gridiron Writing, YouTube at Run Pass Opinion. And if you keep your eyes peeled, you should see, a as thorough as I can offer it, a Dalton breakdown later today. But until then, before we fans, fully sign yeah. off, I want to just point out, Brandon was right. I was adding an extra syllable to his name. It's Atuachu, not Atuachu. Atuachu. We saw that pronunciation, which I'm glad we finally got that sorted. But I was either way, for seven years now, this is this is ridiculous. That'll close up the show. Bear down, everybody. Windy City, you know what it is. Blue and orange, blue and orange, blue and orange, blue and orange. Yeah. Touchdown.